SUSS presents. The truth is, we can survive, right? And yes. we can actually not even survive; we can thrive mm-hmm. as uh, social workers. Yeah. Yeah, and um, this prior to contrary relief because a lot of people think social work means no money. Mm. 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 I think the ministries like MSF, NCSS, uh, they they are relooking into um, actually rebranding the whole sector and also to actually have more competitive wages mm-hmm. yeah, for mm-hmm. social workers. So hopefully in the future, when they talk about the social sector, then they don't need to be torn apart because of the money factor or the passion right. sector. Everyone loves a good story. Finding opportunity in adversity, overcoming the odds and making a difference. And that's the theme of our series, Silver Linings. A show where we celebrate stories of social impact, shared by students, alumni, faculty members, and special guests of the Singapore University of Social Sciences. Hi everyone, and welcome to Silver Linings. I'm Dr. Grace Chi, and I'm a lecturer of social work at the Singapore University of Social Sciences, SR Nathan School of Human Development. Today, we're speaking with Cho Ming Siu, a Singapore Youth Award winner and founder of Campus Sci, that trains youths in mental health literacy skills to support their peers. Also here with me, is Lionel Dorai, CEO of Future Ready Asia, focused on empowering and impacting the lives of youth. And we'll be talking about social work and specifically about how we're engaging youth today. Welcome and thanks for joining us today, you guys. Thanks for having us. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so both of you, uh, you know, you guys work on different initiatives, right? And I think each of you focus on a different area of youth engagement, right? So I guess what do you find attractive in working with youths? I've been working with youth since uh, eight years ago. Coming eight years already, I started working with uh, at-risk youth and young probationers. Mm. And I think journeying with them to see their transformation and doing well now in their school and also in their work, I think that really encourages me. And now, of course, I started my own organization with my team. That is a very different thing altogether, although they were working with youths. Yeah, but these are youths with mental health conditions and uh, the approach that we're actually working with them, it's very different. But still, I think um, working with youth, you really need a lot of rapport with them, relationship mm. building. I think Lionel can attest to that because he also works with youth. Right. And I guess what's really fulfilling is that seeing how their lives actually improve. Yeah, when they first come to us, when they were still struggling with mental health conditions and they're in distress, and then now they're in recovery mm-hmm. and they're actually giving back to the community by volunteering with us mm. and also with our different partners in the mental health space. Mm. And I think that really inspires us and motivates us from what we are doing. Yeah, yeah that's very heartening. I mean, to see their growth, right? Yep. Sort of them kind of blossom from, I guess, what they were to what they are now. Yep. So what, what kind of brought you into this field? Like what ignited your spark, your passion to work with uh, youth at risk? Wow. So when I was in NTU, I was actually volunteering with Muhammadiyah Welfare Home. Mm. That was when um, I first encountered uh, at-risk youths. So um, before that, I was actually working with uh, mainstream youth. So we were doing, you know, service learning projects and also leadership camps for youths uh, in the mainstream schools. But when I was actually tutoring and mentoring these young probationers in this Muslim boys' home, I think it's it's really very different. Because when I first, Mm. I still remember when I first went over to, to teach them, they, they were saying, so they address us as sirs. La. So they say, sir, um, you know, don't waste your time on us. Like, we have no future. Why, oh, wow. why do you want to spend two hours with us? We're here, we cannot go to school, we cannot go to work. Right? Mm. So you can feel the disappointment and all. But I guess, 
um, after sharing with them my personal journey and a longer uh, educational route, you know, going through JC Poly, then finally entering local uni, right? And then I think that really sort of encourages them. And so then they asked me if there's anything that they can do la, to actually transform their lives. Oh. So then I told them that um, now you have one year to prepare for your private end levels. And I'm here to actually mentor and tutor you guys. So if you guys are okay with it, we can make full use of this time. And so then they were okay with it. Every week, I spent about two hours with them. So tutor them in private end level, science, maths and English. So initially, it was very... They find it difficult la, to concentrate. La. So we were just talking about their life and all and their struggles in their families and stuff. And thereafter, I think that helped to build the rapport between uh, myself and the youth. Mm. And thereafter, they started to trust me more and it also motivated them to do better. And so after one year, they got back their results from private end levels and wow, they did pretty well and oh, they got oh. into the causes that they wanted in IT. Nice. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Nice. Well, congratulations. Yeah. It's definitely a testament to your hard work. Correct, correct. So, <laughs> so when, when they came back to me, then I was like, wow, you felt like a wow. proud father, yeah. which I couldn't feel that when I was doing other work. La. I think that fulfillment that I got, the joy that I got from tutoring and mentoring is use was something that I couldn't get la, from all those material needs. Mm. After that, then I joined uh, my ex-social service agency and then we got to work with prisons and uh, young probationers to come up with a step-down juvenile care called Community Rehabilitation Centre for first-time young drug offenders. And that was when I really worked with the youth as a... We call ourselves personal coaches. So we do programs, we help to rehabilitate them, curb their drug addictions, and then thereafter, I started to do more casework with their families, with their educators and all. And that was when I come across social work. In SUSS. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Hey, hey. Okay, that's the main point, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then um, I asked my boss if I should enroll myself. Like, then I said, why not? I mean, it's part-time and uh, it will help in the work that you're doing with the youth. Absolutely. Um, and then I said, why don't you just apply for it and apply for a scholarship? And I went for the interview and thank God I got it. Like, and so that started my journey in SUSS. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a journey. I think it's wonderful that, you know, you're very reflective about yourself, about working against, I guess, these these cultural expectations of condo and the house yes. <laughs> and the job, right? And and kind of, I guess, being very selfless and putting yourself out there for the youth. And another thing that I thought was interesting was that you mentioned it took some time to build that rapport, you know, and it doesn't happen immediately. And I think that's something that um, maybe sometimes as social workers, idealistically, we want that rapport to be built, right? Yeah. Straight away, right? Within yeah. the first yeah. two days. <laughs> yeah. You know, and in reality, that doesn't happen. And, yeah. and so we need to take that time, right? To yeah. do that. So I think that's fantastic. Thanks, so thanks, Grace. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, continue the good thanks, work. Guys. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Lionel. Yeah. So way back uh, in the early 2010s, around that period, yeah, I was still in the force. So I was a regular for a period of time. The armed uh, services? Yes. Before I joined uh, Army, I actually knew the founder of Future Ready Asia. Oh. Uh, his name is Delane. Mm. Yeah. So this was back when we were still trainers doing outdoor adventure and all that in schools. So back then, um, there was OBS was the biggest thing. Right, mm, if you remember yep. young time, right? Wow, oh, you go yeah. OBS means you're the cream <laughs> of the crop. Yeah, so we were toying around the idea of what, why not if we have private companies doing what OBS can do, you know? Mm. Yeah, so that was back then. After that, I went army, but he pursued on with that oh. idea. Mm. Then slowly, in the next few years, okay, my path was really towards media and communications. Mm. Mm. Uh, so that's where I went into SUSS oh. yeah, to push on oh, my communication okay. degree. Yeah, because I was really very interested in public relations and learning a bit more about linguistics and communications. Mm. Yeah, and uh, halfway through, it led me back to Delane again. 
And uh-huh. yeah, so this time around, he was really moving mountains in the mental health space. Mm-hmm. And in, during that period, right, what happened was that I had a very close uncle. So this uncle pretty much was a, like a dad to me. Okay, mm-hmm. so he has taken care of me in my formative years. And uh, he actually went through some mental health difficulties mm-hmm. when he was, I would say, before he passed on. Mm. Yeah, so during that period, right, uh, basically, if you can ever think of the worst life you can have, his one is probably one of them. La. So his wife left him, he's lost his job, oh. and then he started to abuse alcohol. Mm. Then during that period, he was a bit depressed, mm. and then he tried to commit suicide. Mm. Yeah, and then that failed, and he actually survived, but he got partial paralysis. Yeah, so basically everything was difficult. And then uh, his dad passed away during that period, so oh suddenly. Mm. So he basically got a bad hand, uh, basically. When it rains, it pours. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it led all the way until he was diagnosed with cancer stage 4, and then he passed on. So during that period, I was just thinking, he had this mental health issue when he was in his later stage, really, when he was an uh, adult, right? And I was thinking, what if youth can tackle these kind mm. of issues or they at least are equipped with proper coping mechanisms when they're younger then they would not even go through the thing mm. that he, he has went through you see mm. yeah, so that brought me to one of Delane's uh, first projects which is uh, Happy Youth mm. yeah, so that was my journey when I started to come into this space la. Mm. Yeah, so oh. we pushed on all the way to now actually this year we are going to launch Happy Youth 3.0 which is um, pushing these coping mechanisms, not only by awareness to youth, but also we want youth to take ownership of it. That means Mm. they themselves be the ones that are teaching others, picking up people who they feel that might need help. And then after that, equipping them with certain coping mechanisms. So if you look at it, Future Ready is predominantly a leadership development organization. And leadership is one of the ways where we feel we can really contribute. So if we build proper leaders, uh, good leaders with proper values, uh, it's somewhere that they will actually be the next in line to take care of our country, you see. Right. Yeah. So right. our vision is really forward thinkers today and learners in action tomorrow. And it encompasses why I actually want to work with youth. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing to see because once a specific youth has realized or a specific student has realized that, hey, actually there's this skill that I have in me that I could have used mm. uh, or I can use later on. Mm. Okay, whether it's leadership or mm. uh, passion for helping others. Then you see the flair that uh, Ming Shu is talking about. You know, where you see that, you know, they have the ideas that come out and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So for me, that keeps me going. Okay. Uh, that realization that we see in the youth when yeah. they realize that, oh, actually, yeah, I saw people do this before. I think I can do it. So it's kind of like the strengths mm. perspective too, right? It's yes. Kind of, you know, bringing up those, those perhaps those skills or talents or whatever you want to call them that they never knew they had. Which is what we do also for in Future Ready. Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, right. it's, very, it's very important because a lot of them are mm. just untapped uh, mm. knowledge, sure. untapped talent, you see. Yeah, and, and some of them, I would imagine, are living under this, this being labeled or being stigmatized mm. because of mm. all these issues, mental health issues. Yeah, and what really helps me, right, is the fact that all these uh, youth from lower income groups and things like that, right, when we tell them that, hey, actually, you all can be leaders. Y'all can, mm. can really be people of change mm. and y'all can help others. Mm. You know, when we see the twinkle in the eye saying that, really, me? I'm mm. a nobody, you know, I can't even afford this, you know. Mm. Uh, when they realize this, right, and they really change throughout the way, mm. that is the thing that really keeps my team going. Uh. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> so, I guess what Lino and uh, my organization are doing, like Future Ready and Campus Sci, mm. we're doing more on the upstream work. Mm. I think in the social work spectrum, there's casework. Uh, in terms of intervention, there's case management. Okay. Right? right. And then, of course, there's therapy uh, right. for the mental health scene and all. 
But for us, uh, I think for Future Ready, Lionel did mention that they do quite a lot of training, right, on Zoom and stuff. And that's really on education, right? Public education and mm-hmm. all. For Campusi, we do a lot of advocacy work, mm-hmm. um, training, and also providing peer support. So training used to be peer supports, conduits between uh, peers or youth who are in distress and the mental professionals, right? So they're sort of like the middlemen, mm-hmm. right? And of course, uh, in the future, we might be going into interventions. And that is where most of the social service agencies in Singapore are doing. Yeah, and right. the family service centres are doing. So you have registered social workers, you have counsellors, mm-hmm. you have psychologists, and these are trained professionals to actually handle the intervention work. So mm. you need a trained qualification, either in counselling, either in social work, or in psychology. For psychology, you need a master's at least to be a clinical psychologist. But for a registered social worker, you just need a degree in right. social work. And a counsellor, either a degree or a master's. Yeah, so all these professions, you require qualification in order to go into that. However, if you just have a degree in psychology or a degree in counselling, if you still want to do casework, it's still possible. If you're a registered social worker, means that you have to go through a degree in social work, get registered as a yes. social worker with SASW, then you have the title registered social worker and to do social work itself. Yeah, so what we're doing, I think we can safely say that it's youth work, Social work is a very huge spectrum. It's an ecosystem by yeah, itself. It's huge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what actually introduced... I mean, how do you get into the scene of social work? Uh, well, I, I guess I'll talk about you know how I got into social work and what interested me in social work. Mm. Um, and this goes back to uh, a close friend who I was fr- friends with uh, when I was growing up. And a number of years ago, she got diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And you know, in the days and the weeks prior to her passing, uh, she was hospitalized, of course. And uh, you know, I really spent some time with her because she was a good friend of mine. And the social worker who came in and really helped her to be at peace, I would say, and to accept what was going to happen and worked with her family as well, you know, providing them with resources, for example, funeral planning, okay, those kind of things, and to put everybody at ease and really help them to work those through those emotions, I think really resonated with me. And I thought, wow, what a great profession it would be, right, if, if I myself could also help a family to work through these issues in life. Um, so I think that's what really kind of brought me into social work and also, you know, kind of made me a more appreciative and reflective person. And, you know, the more research I did in social work, I think the more I realized, wow, it's also a really flexible field. You can really... <laughs> life balance. <laughs> yes, yes. You can really, uh, you know, work with kids, infants, yeah. parents, mm. uh, you know, youth at risk, uh, yeah. ex-offenders. It's really a, a great field that you can you can play the whole field, basically. You know, it's a great career, I would say. So having like taught students yeah. um, for the past few years in, in social work, what are some of your observations of the younger generation now <laughs> on, on social work? Uh, I think the social work students are actually quite um, empowered. I think they're quite vocal about certain things, about certain issues. I mean, I know I have some students who volunteer with some of the organizations. Uh, I think some of them work with people who have disabilities. So they're very engaged. You know, they really want to go out there and I think see how they can make a difference. And and that's really great to see. You know, I mean, sometimes I think we have that stereotype that youth just sit at home and on the computer playing games the whole day, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But but no, I think some, at least my social work students, and I don't know if it's because they're in social work or if they're just like that innately, but they really are making an effort to go out in the community to, to work with people who are who are less advantaged, mm. I would say. So, and, and, they're, and the thing is that they're very creative as well. So they're using technology to connect with people. You know, they can really make like really cool graphic and, you know, films and the videos that yeah. I, I, I couldn't do. Yeah, that is that <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> strengths, yeah. 
you know, it's really, it's really amazing. I mean, they, they know all these software that I've never even heard of, and they, they really are interested in putting out, out that effort to, to help better their society and their community, mm. which I think is great. Yeah. They're becoming yeah. more vocal and more yes. passionate about taking action in yes, different yes. social causes. Yes, yeah. they're not yeah. just you know sitting on their on their hands and just twiddling their thumbs. I mean, they're really out there, uh, very passionate about these things. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which is fantastic to see. So yeah, I think on our side also we probably see something similar. Mm. Uh, this growing right. trend, which is good. Uh. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. I mean, and I don't know where they're learning this from. I guess from each other or maybe. You <laughs> know, <laughs> TV or whatever, but yeah. I hope it continues. I hope that's something yeah, that's sustainable. Man. Yeah, you know, because we've been hearing that the use uh strawberry generation, <laughs> right? But yeah. that's yeah. quite an unfair statement. It's on unfair, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very blanket generalization, which I don't think is fair right. to to all the youth mm. in Singapore. You mm. know, and, and they're very because um, I did the, the Straits Times study last year, mm. and the youth are very um, conscientious about you know their future career, about starting a family. You know, so they know they're aware of these things. It's not like they they don't they don't care. They don't know. Even the youth that were coming across, like, uh, they start when they're in secondary school in social ac- uh, activism, uh, in mm. GC and polytechnics, and then even now in uni, you know, they champion climate change, mm. yeah. uh, environmental issues. They champion on mental health, LGBTQ issues and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, back in our days. You don't Unheard see of. <laughs> eighteen year olds coming forward to do all this, right? Yeah. But it's really amazing how. The yeah. Gen Z has come and the millennials. Yeah. yeah, they bring their own skills and talents as well. So mm. I think it's, you know, it would be great additions to the social work sector if they choose to pursue social work as a profession. Mm. You know, maybe revamping some of the ways that FSCs operate or how they think, you know, maybe creative ways of how to, uh, you know, approach KPIs, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And I think what uh, Ming-Chi, we were saying earlier about, uh, you know, making it grassroots, right? Mm. So I think youth nowadays are definitely not as shy to to go out and engage community members and talk to them and probably because of you guys as well, you know, the work that you do, right? And you really uh, inculcate these values in the youth. So, yeah, so I'd like to see that in the future. I hope that we get more of these youth entering the sector, yeah, especially the guys, Mm. You know, a lot more guys now in social work, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's true. It's really it's great to funny see. Though. <laughs> yeah, because the focus always when you're growing up, right? It's like, oh, you must make sure you have money. You know, uh-huh. start a proper yeah. family, like you said just now. All yeah. the stigmas, all the social, yeah, uh, <laughs> the things that we are we are meant to grow up and become. You know, yeah, right. social yeah. work is definitely none of the above. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because, I mean, even for myself, also, I, I when I was growing up, right, I had so much flack from family. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying that why are you doing this mm-hmm. you know? because mm-hmm. remember I told you I was from the armed forces yep, right yep. Yeah, everybody was like no, why do you leave the force to do this you know you, right. you are mm. so, why, why, so why did you leave the force <laughs> to do this <laughs> I think my, my it depends on my personal view on life so right. I think what was missing right for me was the element of helping someone uh. mm. Yeah. so yes uh, it was a calling I mean everybody would say that um, joining the force is a calling and mm. things like you're defending the nation right. yes but um, there were things that were happening in real time that I felt that I was not helping out. Mm. I see what you mean. You know, during our interviews, some of our interviewees will say, you know, I will ask them, say, okay, you know, are your parents supportive of you going to social work? Some of them will say no, mm. you know, because it doesn't pay well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then you ask them, well, are you in it for the money? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but again, I guess that's the balance, right? Between reality yeah. and doing what you love. Yeah. yeah. But right now, I think the salary is okay. It's quite reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the truth is we can survive. Right, and yes. we can actually not even survive. We can thrive mm-hmm. as uh, social workers. Yeah, yeah, and um, this prior to contrary relief because a lot of people think social work means no money. Mm. Okay? Mm. How I broke the stigma was um, I defined what was rich for me. 
So my parents' definition is money. Right? Uh, if you yep. can take care of me, I can retire in peace, <laughs> then mm. my son is doing well. <laughs> uh, so that is their perception. Sure. But what I told them, my version of rich was, right, is, you know, in a way, giving back to the community mm-hmm. and actually seeing that the work that I do is actually helping the community in some way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And the things that I give back is related to my own life experiences. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So when I explain this to them, right, then they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But uh, are we still going to be retiring? Okay, you know? And I say, yes, don't worry. Yeah, I will balance <laughs> this too. Yeah. So right. that was my in to break the stigma, you see? Because mm, okay. like you said, before that, we they keep thinking that it's volunteering. Yes. You know? Like you're, oh, yes. you're doing a cheap labor job, you know, Mm-mm. things like that. Yeah, but when I explain that actually, you know, you can you can link these two, right? Uh, I mean, that's where future ready is. You see, we are social enterprise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there are social enterprise that do good work. At the same time, they are for profit. Mm-hmm. So uh, then when I explain to them from this angle, then they're like, oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Ah, okay. So kind of redefining what it mm. means to you, right? To yeah. be to help somebody or to be a social worker. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I gotta agree with you. When I first started uh working with at risk youth and, and social work, my my parents are also like, um, well, what are you doing with your life? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, wow. yeah, initially, you know, when I went yeah. went to NTU, I wanted to just get a scholarship and then to be a civil servant. Uh, and then climb up the ranks and then have a good life. La. Yeah, but I think things just didn't turn out that way. So when I started volunteering with at-risk youth and youth with mental conditions, I realized that actually there are some things that money can't buy. Mm. Yeah, when you are part of that journey and transforming people's lives. But I think having interacted with different youth institutes of higher learning, you know, when they ask, a lot of youth leaders ask, you know, they're very passionate about different social causes. They want to actually join the social service sector. How can they do so and all, you know, through volunteering or internships. But the thing is, they are still torn. You know, there's a dilemma between pragmatism, reality, and whether or not their passion can feed Mm -hmm. that reality Mm -hmm. and stuff. But it's good that now, I think the ministries like MSF, NCSS, they are re-looking into actually rebranding the whole sector and also to actually have more competitive wages Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. social workers. I think primarily more for the bigger uh, and established social service agencies, but the smaller and medium ones are also paying quite okay for the social workers and caseworkers also. So I guess as a sector, we are starting to progress I remembered one of my mentors in the social sector, she did mention that the ministries are trying to actually make the social sector comparable to MOE, to the education Mm. sector. So, you know, because the teachers are well remunerated and that's why more people are going into the teaching sector and stuff. Yeah, so hopefully in the future, when they talk about the social sector, then they don't need to be torn apart because of the money sector or the passion sector. Yeah. So they want to make that decision. Correct. Yeah, be it, easier. It's difficult, right? Yeah, I remember. I think yeah, my parents. Um, yeah, social work wasn't one of their top choices. If <laughs> 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 it was to be a, a doctor, right? Um, you know, and I, I think sometimes they had just misconception of social work as being you know a volunteer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which yeah. it's not really true, right? <laughs> I mean, there's kind of a difference. So I think the kind of that, that label as well, that stigma that we need to, or assumption that we need to address for our future social workers in the field. Yep. And what helps, right, is the community's reaction. Yeah. Ah. So because of a lot of the work we do, right, and Singapore is really small, so yeah. you, you will definitely catch wind from it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people actually do hear of the work that we do. Um, like recently, because of COVID, we did Ops Hands-On, yep. Operation Hands-On, where yep. we give out... Uh, uh. masks and sanitizers to elderly. Yeah, so that one was meant to be just for 5,000 elderly. 
but um, the need was there during mm-hmm. that period. So mm-hmm. again, it caught wind and then eventually it became huge news online and all that and wow. then they really see, you know, oh, okay, okay, the, the company or, or this charity is doing very well. They're doing, they're doing good work. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, so that helps. Have you had challenges though along the way in terms of community reception, you know? Yeah, so challenges in terms of being a social worker, uh, if it's community, the first question is, uh, what are you doing it for? Mm. So a lot of times, right, if let's say you're a social worker and you're coming to corporates, for example, or you're going to a community to do some uh, awareness, the first question is, uh, how much money do you need? Yeah, because we're a charity also, right? So always they will have the mindset that, oh, charity, that means we have to pay them and things like that. Yeah, so my answer is always no, that is not the first thing you should think of. Is what is the topic that we want to bring across, you see? Sure. Yeah, so that's one of the challenges that we have. Other than that, then of course there is funding. Mm. Okay, uh, I mean, funding is a, a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is one of the things that we, are, we have to try to balance as a charity. Mm. You've been listening to Silver Linings. You may find the next part of this episode on suss.edu sg slash podcast or on your preferred podcast listening platform.